thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Thank you for downloading this podcast from The Reedy Clubby Show on Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk. For more, please go to 702.co.za or capetalk.co.za. Some respect the property of others. What are you doing to lead us in? The Naked Scientist on Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk with Reedy Clappy. There, uh, no. 27 minutes to 10 o'clock. And yes, The Naked Scientist is with us. Brought to you by Pi Magazine. People, innovation, entertainment. Visit pimag.co.za for more. Let's say that again. pimag.co.za for more. Good morning to you. Good morning. And you're back back in... uh, It's supposed to be spring, but there was snow recently. (laughs) And I'm sure you were enjoying yourself here in Johannesburg. It felt like summer. Gosh, I tell you, it was quite a shock uh, to land back here and the pilot bringing the plane down said, welcome to London, the temperature outside is zero. We thought, oh my God, I'm going to step off the plane and oh, it was so cold and it's still so cold and yesterday it was snowing and just a few days ago it was brilliantly sunny and warm in Joburg. Oh, what am I doing? (laughs) You must move over to the side. We had a great, great time, uh, Chris, and I'm still getting SMSs about uh, uh, Ben's dancing skills and it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, we really liked doing the the show from from the station on um, Thursday last week. It was great fun, and uh, I think the idea of putting it on the net, the way we did with the Google Hangout, was was fantastic. Whoever's idea that was, I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as I did. It was fantastic. They Thank did. you for the great questions as well, everybody. They loved having you. And the Ren show, how was that? Oh, it was huge. Um, we didn't expect quite that many people to turn up, and we sincerely apologised to people who couldn't get in because every single session was up to the ceiling. I mean, there were people falling out the doors and windows. So thank you so much, everybody who who came along and uh, showed us that um, you like what we do and came to talk to us afterwards. It was lovely to meet so many people, and we had a really really good time. So thank you, everybody. Delighted. All right, our lines are open for you on oh two one four four six oh five six seven oh double one double eight three oh seven oh two. Here's Quezi. Quezi, you. You are 13 years old and you're calling us from Bumalanga. Kwezi, good morning. Hello. Hello, Kwezi. Uh, I've, I've come up with uh, three questions already. Three questions already? I don't know if we're going to have time for that, but let's start with the first one. Let's see. Okay, my first one is, why when babies are born, they are able to swim, but when they grow up, they can't swim? Babies are able to swim when they're born and when they grow. Okay, Quizzy, Chris? Hi, Quizzy. Well, mm, uh, good question. I don't know whether we could call what they do actually physically swimming. We know that babies are very used to being in a watery environment because when they're growing inside their mum's tummy, the environment that they're in is a big bag of water. So if a baby's born into water, like in a, a birthing pool or something, then it's quite natural for the baby because it's used to being surrounded by water and actually coming out into a cold room with lots of air around you is unnatural. So babies... Or there's one school of thought that says babies feel less traumatized.
surprised and find it a, norm, a more normal transition if they come out into a pool. Whether or not they can really swim or whether they're just less uh, stressed by being in water and therefore don't panic so much as uh, an older child would, I think that's more what's going on rather than them actually physically being able to swim in the olympics next year that they're just more uh, calm when they come out into water they certainly uh, i think would struggle to keep their head above water because of course a baby's movements are really primitive when they first come out they can't make very many coordinated movements apart from to cry and uh, we know that uh reedy's got that coming to her <laughs> and uh, and also um to, to eat and swallow and things proper movements like walking around and that kind of thing come much later so i don't think you can say babies properly swim but I, I think they're just less uncomfortable in water than an older child because it's more natural for them okay oh. and then crazy let's ask the second question is is there anything possible can anything escape a black hole hmm uh, probably not. Um, as far as we know, not even light can escape a black hole. What is a black hole? Well, it's an area where there was previously, we think, a dead star, very, very big star, which collapsed in on itself, and because it was so massive, it had a huge amount of gravity, and the uh, star collapses in, and this creates a very intense gravity well, in other words, like, like a hole in space, where the gravitational field is so strong that not even light, which comes through, can get out so light gets pulled in as well and if even light can be pulled in i think probably very few things will be able to get away if anyone knows a better answer though let me know all right crazy i'm going to do this just for you again last question okay thanks um what why can't deaf people speak speak properly right so it depends when a person goes deaf if a person goes deaf later on in life after they have already learn to speak clearly mm. they'll generally have better speech than someone who has been deaf since they were born and the reason for this is that we listen to ourselves and part of the way in which we form our speech is by listening to the sounds we make and correcting them when they don't sound the way we want them to sound and we also listen to those around us and that's why accents come along we imitate the people around us and if you struggle to hear yourself and to hear other people it's much more difficult to form the sounds the way you think they should be sounding and to make them sound like everybody else so this can make it much harder for people to learn to speak if they can't hear well Okay, thank you very much, Crazy. Thanks indeed. And uh, let's go to, is it Glenda in Robertsham? Hi. Yes, hello, Reading Chris. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I would like to know if, um, a yo if an egg with a double yolk produces two chicks. Ah, nice one. Hi, Glenda. I think an egg with a double yolk has two embryos in it, and therefore were it to be fertilised, I think it could potentially produce two chicks. I think that's true. Um, I'd need to check. Thank you very much, Glenda. Bruce Edenvale. Hello, Reedy. Mm. Hello, Chris. Chris, are you there? Are you speaking Yes, we're listening to you. Carry on with your question. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been troubled for a long time with nightmares. There's no particular reason in my life, but the nightmares are so selective of one's past, uh, are almost destructive. And uh, what causes this in the subconscious? Or do you have any idea? Okay, your line is bad, but I well, think we got the question. Yeah. First, let me sympathise with you, because if people get troubled by nightmares, it can be extremely frustrating. 
and and terrifying for them and also a major problem because if you get woken up by recurrent nightmares then it disturbs sleep and if you have disturbed sleep you feel more stressed and then you have a worse day and that means you often have a worse night's sleep the night after too so it's a sort of vicious cycle um i'm not really clear w what causes nightmares to happen in some people but it does it does it's certainly linked to things going on in people's lives. If people have a stressful situation going on, they have lots of anxiety, they will probably have, therefore, lots of things on their mind, and these can manifest as dreams, because it seems that when we go to sleep and we're dreaming, the brain sorts out the connections between pieces of information and seems to consolidate information in a certain way. And I suspect that people having recurrent nightmares is probably a manifestation of trying to make sense of anxieties or stresses they're having either previously in their life or currently in their life. But why this should happen in you, all of a sudden, I don't know what the, what the trigger would be. It might be worth talking to somebody to see if, if this is the sort of nighttime equivalent of post-traumatic stress disorder or something. Because we know that when people have post-traumatic stress disorder, if they've had something bad had happened to them uh, during their uh, during their preceding period of time then they can get these flashback effects where you relive the experience and it's very traumatic and it might be, and I, well, I don't know whether it's possible for the same thing to happen at night time. And one wonders whether that could be happening in you. But I really don't know the solid answer. So I would suggest that you have a chat to somebody who is actually a sleep specialist if it, if it's disturbing your sleep. Thank you very much, Bruce. Good luck to you. That sounds like a very uncomfortable situation. Patrick and Tina, I see your calls. We'll be back in a moment. The Naked Scientist on Talk Radio 702 and 567 Cape Talk with Reedy Clappy. It is 16 minutes to 10 o'clock and our lines are buzzing on 021-446-0567 or Let's go to Tina in Tableview. Hi. Morning. Um, Chris, I just want to know the Leaning Tower of Pizza in uh, Italy. Why does it re remain standing despite the law of gravity? Why hasn't gravity taken its toll on this structure yet? Hi, Tina. Uh, did oh. you say the Leaning Tower of Pizza or the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Pardon? <laughs> I said, did you say the Leaning Tower of Pizza or the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Pizza. <laughs> I was just joking, because of course it's in Italy. Sorry, it was, <laughs> no. a, it was a really poor joke. I do apologise to anyone who's now cringing. <laughs> no, I know. The, the answer is that it should fall over. Luckily, it hasn't, because it's a beautiful building. Have you been there? No. No, but it's just no, I, I'm I, fascinated by the of angle of, of the, the structure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's on my list of things to do, to, to go and see it. But the, the, the reason is that luckily it didn't fall over. And now things have been put in place to stop it going any further because it's a big, tall building. It didn't have substantial enough foundations. And as a result, the foundations collapsed asymmetrically, which allowed the building to lean. Luckily, the fabric of the building was strong enough that it didn't fall over. And now they've got various wires on it and supports and they've shored it up so that although it's leaning, it's stopped leaning any further. So hopefully it will be there for generations to come and certainly long enough for me to go and see it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tina. Uh, Patrick uh, in Edgemead, good morning. You morning. want to talk about your brother. Does he? Do you have his permission to talk about him on the radio? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> What's the question? My question is, why do people gesticulate so much when they're talking? Like my brother, I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you were to tie his hands behind his back, he would go mute because he waves around all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> why I do we do Re that? Reedy, um, but Reedy, t tell, tell the listeners, I mean, when, when you're um, talking on the radio, 
are you shaking your hand next to your head, next to the microphone, like I right am right now? Yeah, absolutely. I'm using my hands. I'm shaking my head. Th that's what I do. I'm doing that now as I'm speaking to you. Yeah. Um, and if you go to sort of media training courses and things, you will hear experienced radio presenters saying, gesticulate, because this helps you to express yourself and to put the emphasis on the words in the right way. And it's a bizarre thing, but it does actually affect the way you speak. And people can hear that when they're listening on the radio. But we've got used to the way that people do emphasise things. It's a bit like that annoying thing people do when they want to put something in quotes and they put their fingers of both hands <laughs> up beside their head and too. go, quotes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a way of sort of non-verbally emphasising things or making, making you put the passion into the way you're speaking at the right time and in the right way. And it, it really does enhance communication because if you just do it or just speak without doing any of that, it, it sounds unemotional and a bit strange. And I wonder if this is partly because the way that, and there he is, I'm just, just gesticulating a bit more, uh, I think this is partly to do with the way that the brain encodes movements. Because when we uh, want to move in a certain direction, groups of nerve cells in the brain that control the part of the body that we want to move into a certain part of space turn on. But those nerve cells don't just connect to, say, your right hand. They also project to lots of other controlling centres in your spinal cord. And as a result, when you make that movement, you also change the activity of a whole raft of different groups of nerve cells and muscles in your body. And I wonder whether the gesticulation is partly a reflection on that. So you're making some, some points the way you're speaking, but you're also triggering certain movements in certain ways to emphasise those, those sorts of things, but partly because that's the way your brain is wired up. So it's a sort of, we can't have one without the other. You can suppress it, but it, mm. it's a natural way of expressing yourself. It is indeed. Let's go to uh, Ian in Durbanville. Hi. Good morning, all. Um, I have a question. I can see the moon in the middle of the sky in, in, in sunlight sometimes, some days, and I not know where it is and why that happens. Hello, Ian. Well, there seems to be this idea that the moon can only be out at night, and this isn't true. Um, it, it's, there's no reason why the moon has to be out uh, at any one time of day or night. So let me just explain. So you have the Earth sitting, imagine it's like an orange, sitting in the palm of your hand, and the moon is like a pea, uh, slightly bigger than that, but let's say it's a, a, um, a kumquat or something, and it's going around the Earth. And the moon orbits the Earth, and it takes one month to complete that orbit. Are you with me so far? Mm hmm Ian, are you here? Yeah. Yes. So it doesn't actually matter what what's happening day or night of the Earth because the Earth is turning and uh, on its own axis, taking twenty four hours to do it, and when the Earth is when the side of the Earth we're on is facing the sun it's daytime and when the uh, the Earth's gone around to the other side it's nighttime. The Earth doesn't really care where the moon is, and the moon doesn't care where the Earth is in relation to it, surface to surface. So as a result, sometimes when we're looking at the sun, the moon is also there. And so the moon is seeing some sunlight because the moon's adjacent to where we are and it's reflecting that light towards us so we see it during the daytime. Other times, we've gone around the corner so the sun is illuminating the side of the earth away from where we are, so we're in the darkness, but the moon, on the other hand, is off to one side and some sunlight is illuminating that face of the, earth, of the moon still so that light is reflected to us when we see it at night time. It doesn't actually matter whether it's day or night time for us. The moon is still up there and it depends on how, it, uh, how our position coincides with the moon taking a month to do an orbit of the Earth. All right. Does that answer? Your, hey, Ian. Does that answer your question? Are you happy? Yes. Is it always the same, Chris? Um, 
Well, remember that you've got the Earth turning, taking 24 hours to turn inside the orbit of the Moon. And the Moon takes 28 days to go from where it starts all the way back round to where it started. So at some at, at different times, as the Earth goes round, the Moon will have moved around a little bit further each day, so it won't always be in the same place at the same time, because as the Earth turns and the Moon goes round, you're going to see the Moon at slightly different places in the sky each successive day, and that's why you have a new Moon, a quarter Moon, a half Moon, three-quarter Moon, and then a new Moon again, a full Moon, and then the new Moon again. Thank you very much, Ian. Let's go to Francisco in Kelsdrava. Hi. Hi, morning. How are you? Good, yes, your question? Good, good, good. Um, the question about dark matter, it came up uh, on CNN in the week, and they said that apparently scientists have now started proof that it does exist. So uh, apparently 25% of the universe is uh, consists of dark matter. I wanted to know what is the solid proof now that they have, because we always knew it existed. Yeah, I'd, I'd need to read up carefully on this, because having been away, I was not um, able to read that report when it came out last week, because I was in South Africa at the Rand Show, so I haven't seen the report, so until I have read it, I'd rather not um, just make something up, because I don't know yeah. what they said. Um, the evidence that we have at the moment for dark matter, of course, is, as you said, is, is an inference. We know that there's something which is very gravitationally active in various places in the universe, and there, it has to be there, but it was very difficult to detect exactly what it was and what it was made of and what was giving rise to this gravity. The best example is, for example, if you look at our galaxy, we know, for instance, that the galaxy has a certain shape and the planets and the matter that we can see behave in a certain way in our galaxy and the only way that can be explained is if there is a halo of something else around the galaxy which is extremely heavy and therefore has a gravitational activity and that was dubbed dark matter. Uh, what I'll do for you is once I've had a chance to actually look at those papers properly and see yep. what they're saying, then I'll come back to you if that's all right. All right, thank you very much. We'll wait for that next week maybe. Let's go to, is it Gerald in Houtby? Hi. Hello, good morning. Mm. Yes, Hello. good morning, Gerald. Uh, good morning. Uh, hello, Chris. Um, hello. My, my question is, is this, Chris, uh, how come something as delicate as a flower petal can withstand hours of scorching sunshine that would burn up something seemingly tougher? Well, I suppose the, the simple answer, the get-out answer for me, is evolution. But the answer is that, that flowers have to be able to do that because if they hadn't evolved to withstand those sorts of extremes, then they wouldn't be very good, would they? And they wouldn't, therefore, be fertilised or pollinated by as many insects and, therefore, they would fail to pass on their genes and some other plant that was better would take over and that's exactly what's happened. And uh, as a result, we have the um, biochemistry and the structure and, and the physiology of flowers and plants that we have today because of natural selection. Let's go to Pule in Soweto. Hi. How are you? Really? Fine, thank you, guys. Well, uh, to Dr. Chris, I just want to find out uh, uh, what is still on the topic of the movement of the Earth. Uh, there is another movement of the Earth, that's the tilting of the Earth, that gives us the four seasons of the, of the year. What does that movement call, the tilting of the Earth? Yes, I think I know what you mean. So if we, ha if we imagine the Earth is a ball... And, and it's a ball that's spinning, it's not spinning directly upright, vertically. If we look at the way that the Earth is orientated, orientated it is as though it has 
tilted over slightly, so it's still spinning around that central axis, but the central axis has tilted, and it's tilted at 23 and a half degrees. But that's not constant. And over long geological timescales, the Earth also has a sort of precession, and it, it wobbles around that axis, and so the tilt sometimes gets a little bit bigger and sometimes gets a little bit less, because the Earth is wobbling on its uh, rotational axis. And that has the effect, that wobble, of changing the amount of solar energy that comes into the Earth during the seasons and therefore altering the climate in subtle ways over long geological cycles. Thank you very much, Bule. And Laurie, you are our last caller on this one. Do you like Popo? I do indeed. Okay, what's your question? Chris, I have Popo, which I slice up and I leave in my fridge. And the fridge is definitely not set to the lowest temperature, but I get a, a layer of ice forming on the Popo. And I'm wondering if there's a special chemical reaction or something that it might be reacting with pawpaw, but not other things. Oh, I love pawpaw. It's delicious. Yeah. Um, I would speculate that it might be to do with where in the fridge you're putting it. Because the way fridges work is that usually they have a condenser element in them, which is where the very cold a condensed liquid which is the refrigerant is flowing through and this generates uh, a stream of very cold air which then falls down in the fridge usually to the bottom and and you get a sort of convection circulation in the fridge and if you put things in certain positions where they're directly underneath that very cold falling air the although the average temperature of the air in the fridge may well be four degrees near that condenser or in the path of that air the temperature could be much lower and i suspect you're putting your pawpaw in a certain place where it, where that very cold air is falling onto it and because those pawpaws have that sort of leathery skin surface that's perhaps collecting water or condensation it's collecting condensation and being hit by very cold falling air and that's making it freeze Enjoy your Thank pop-up. you very much. <laughs> Enjoy it, Thank Laurie. You. Thank you very much. That's Laurie Renberg. Chris, we had a great time with you as usual, and we'll speak to you next week. I'm looking forward to it already. Cheers. Thanks, really. Have a Thanks, lovely everyone. weekend. And of course, do visit our website where you can download the podcast. You can even download the podcast from last week and see the Naked Scientists in action. It was Ginny and Ben who were with him last week. Um, otherwise, you can visit their website www.thenakedscientists the plural, that's www.thenakedscientists.com Thinking about your next career move in research and development? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that's investing £20 billion in R&D over the next two years. The nation that's home to four of the world's top research universities. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.